Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. There's no Chris. And I'm Don. Yeah, so with the holidays over, Chris had to attend a holiday party, so he just left you and me to hang out and run this episode. So this should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. When was the last time leaving two Floridians unattended has ever led to anything bad? Only good things. Only good things can happen. So today, I figured that we, we, we kind of focus on your one of your strengths, Don. I'll be honest with you. There are many animals that I know. I don't know a lot of them in detail, but there's one animal that you know way better than I do. And while we were doing some digging into like future episodes, I realized there's a lot of deer Pokemon. Yeah, there's um, there's quite a few, actually. And then we're going to argue about one because I don't think it is, if you think it is. Look, I'm just saying that like everyone gets on their case about, oh, another monkey, another beetle. And like, no, listen, there's like there's a lot of cats, a lot of cats and dogs. But like no one talks about the sheer number of deer or deer based like organisms that are out there. Otherwise, like it's just one of those things that I feel should be brought to notice. So today, let's talk about deer. Let's talk about these cervids and see how they relate to the real ones. I I feel you have some words to share about this topic. Yeah, yeah, I um I really like deer. Um, I do I do a little bit of deer hunting here and there. So um, but uh, I mean, before we get to that, we should probably get to the news. And I, I did find a news article about everyone's favorite animal. Say it with me, audience. Parasitoid wasps. Oh, you know you love them. Ah, such wonderful creatures. Did you ever hear that there might be more parasitoid wasp species than beetles? I think I have heard that, actually. Yeah, no, there's no, like, there's, like, a thoughts on it and, like, papers written on it. But this one is more so about, it it caught my attention because it's Brazil, and that's one of my, like, key words. So, apparently, most parasitoid wasps are found in milder climates. Now, this... Usually throws people for a loop because usually when you think of exotic creatures that like infect other creatures with their young and feed caterpillars to their babies from the inside out, you you think tropical, you think like like Indonesia or Malaysia, somewhere where no one's gonna find them. But uh, most of them are found in milder climates, so more like the U.S. You know, Europe makes sense. But this group of uh, researchers went up to some specific mountains in Brazil, and one in particular, they found over 100 new species of Darwin wasps, which are a group of parasitoid wasps. So this was um, a pretty interesting find. They went and set up a whole bunch of traps, and they started collecting a lot of the different bugs out there. Uh, When they did, they found not only a bunch of new leaf bugs and a couple of new fireflies, they found many different new species of parasitoid wasps. Now, what does that mean? Well, it honestly just shows that there's a lot more that people don't realize lives out there, and it does extend the range of these organisms. And I think it's just really cool to think about people still discovering that many new species at once. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, no, the um the like the sheer diversity of some stuff like that, like with parasitoid wasps, is it's really not like a, a group of critters you think about other than occasionally like a Discovery Channel special about parasites and you go you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really it's really incredible just how many there are. Um I was just looking at that. So apparently there are more species of parasitoid wasps. And there are species of both mammals and birds combined, about, I think, 25,000 different of the Darwin 
moth of the Darwin variety of parasitoid moth. Uh, what wasp. a great specialization to go into is to be like the number one scientist on that type of wasp. Just every other day, you're like found another one. I mean, like the, the catfish guys probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they did. Like the, those poor catfish guys in the Amazon River who just had to give up. Like they just can't. Like there's too many. Like both. Like the parasitoid wasp guy and the catfish guy. They're eating good. They're like the few scientists in a mansion because they never run out of work. Literally, the dude just built a mansion up on the Brazilian mountainside just to do his work from all the research money he got. I mean, it is also nice to know that someone cares about wasps because one of the other studies you'll find is that people don't write enough papers about wasps because nobody likes wasps and it's hard to get funding or attention for wasps. I mean, they are still like, you know, pollinators and stuff. Not not the parasitoid ones. They just spread death. Um, speaking of death in a unique fashion, um, nice little segue there to Arcanine and its unstoppable reign of terror on the competitive community. Yeah, so um, Arcanine, the uh, or specifically Hisuian Arcanine, has kind of been on a crazy tear this year lately in competitive. Um, I think it's had won five major events in a row, uh, which is kind of insane, honestly. Is, has there ever been a Pokemon that has done that before? I'm sure Incineroar has. But um, the fact that it's the, this 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 many close together, yeah, to, close together, and um, on top of just being sort of like in a format where Urshifu is the most used Pokemon, specifically Urshifu Water, the fact that you can be four X weak to Water and be slower than the thing is incredible. So, but like when you look at the meta outside of that, like a lot of teams are Tornadus plus Urshifu with every team having multiple things, at least one and normally multiple things weak to a uh, rock. And like, we don't really have a strong rock attacker. Like there are things that are using rock slide, but they don't have that stab rock damage. I, I think the last like powerful rock type I've seen in competitive was colossal. Like that was the one that seemed, or Nihilego that, that came out a lot last generation, but uh, not, yeah, you're right. Not too many big, uh, big rock. Yeah. We had Tyranitar won a, a regional early in this format. Um, but since then it's kind of fallen off again. It was kind of a one-off win. As much as I love Tyranitar. But, um, yeah, we, and a lot of the Arcanines tend to be choice banded. So you have that choice band extreme speed. Um, you got also they're running head smash now, which I know how much you like big numbers and choice band head a big smash number is a big number. Big number with no like uh recoil. Yeah. Yeah. I no, like you, big no, number. you're running it with intimidate. You're getting the recoil. Really? They just go it. They're just yeah, going intimidate, hog wild. Intimidate and doubles. Just that double stat drop is just too useful. We did just have the um the Latin American International though um a couple weeks back now on the nineteenth, and uh, Arcanine won with a pretty standard Tailwindy team, but the second place team was cool. We saw a Regieleki. Hey, he's back. He's alive. Yeah, and it was a very cool like very like Regieleki plus Tailwind plus Chiyu Fluttermane, so very just um click Electroweb and big damage kind of thing, and um it was it was kind of cool to see Regieleki back in form. Third place, we had another Arcanine. Chiyu Dragonite is staying good. Uh, looking at things, Roaring Moon's kind of been on a come up as well, and a Reggie Draco was in top eight. Whoa, right, my boy, my dragony boy. Oh, I love him so. I mean, every time I think of Hisui Arcanine at this point, though, I'm like that quote from SpongeBob of like everyone getting angry at it winning. Like he poisoned our water supply, burned down our crops, and delivered a plague onto our houses. Like everyone just like for some reason. This dog needs to be doing more damage than the literal living embodiment of lightning, like undead monsters from the past. It's just who would win in the fight, these untold horrors or one rock dog? 
it's also kind of um well actually it was on like half of the teams in top eight at LIC. I was saying a lot of the times too it won't there won't be that many of them in top cut, but it just always wins. Gotta be some way somehow. I don't know. That it's it's crazy to me that this Pokemon is the one that made it to the top of all the powerful hitters added to the DLC from the DLC and stuff. That this is the one to do it, and I, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I think the highest. Uh, speaking of other DLC critters, um, well, Ogre Ponds. We had an Ogre Pond in second. The next Hisuimon though was in tenth. Um, on a an Ursaluna on a Trick Room team. Uh, you know, we were so scared of that bear. We were so worried about the bear. No, we should have been looking like that. For the dog. Yeah, we we should have been looking for the other bear. <laughs> the other bear. The Kung Fu bear. Um, it's, it's interesting too, because, um, I know that the guy who runs Syrabi and a couple of other people got a chance to run a demo for the new DLC and they got to say like, oh yeah, no, expanding force is back. And everyone's like toes curled for a second to think of all the big number damage. But yeah, we've got quite a few, um, we've got some exciting, yeah, we've got, um, some of the move tutor moves are coming back. I hear we're going to have some new TMs. I know some personal fan favorites like Whimsicott and Metagross and Smeargle will be returning as well. So that's some exciting things from the competitive mindset and just a couple of Pokemon I like also. You just casually drop that dog's name like it doesn't scare slash make everyone like... Oh, also Incineroar's back. Oh, yeah. I mean, Incineroar is back. I'm wondering how he's going to do compared. Well, like, he's got some new... He's new going to do well. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid cat. In center, I, if anything, I think Terra just benefits it. I mean, but well, we have Smeargle back, and the combinations you can run now are somehow even more dangerous than before. I mean, I, I, hear me out, though. Gravity um, gravity with um, Sandy Shocks combined now with Dark Void again. So actually, you might be able I to bring back I don't think it even days. can use Dark Void anymore, actually. I think it, like, physically doesn't work. Oh, that is brutal. But, like, fair. So we... We'll probably talk more about the DLC because it's coming out in two weeks. So we'll we'll definitely give people a rundown on that one. Most likely, this is the next episode of the one after. For now, we got to talk about deer. Um, with the deer, with my experience of deer, it's weird because most of it comes from the fact that okay, at the aquarium I work at, we have something called the trading post, and the trading post is a program where people can bring us things from the wild, you know, shells and rocks and all kinds of things. In return, they get points in order to um, use those points to buy other things. So if someone brings in shark teeth, they get points and they can use them for shells. We do offer a bounty of sorts for skulls. And there are a number of people who love going hunting out in Charleston, South Carolina, who will just bring us back deer skulls. Not all of them in the best condition. Oh, right, that can be pretty, I would imagine that can be pretty rough. We take their points and throw those skulls in the dumpster, but occasionally they get us a clean one, and those go fast because we love getting a chance to see them. And people will always ask us, how do you know it's a deer just by, like, the skull and the teeth and all that stuff? And it's really cool because the cervids do make up about 55 species on Earth, which, you know, compared to the wasps, isn't exactly a lot. But it is interesting how this one herbivore this one section of grass-eating brush-eating creatures has such an impact on human culture like not just from like a hunting standpoint but i mean go to the people who go to ren fairs dressed up as deer go to the people in ancient times who have them on coat of arms the deer have been like the like i mean look at fire of three houses for pete's sake like we have the deer as the symbol on so many different things yeah, we have uh, deer and, like, elk and other cervids. Um, really, like, especially, I feel like deer and elk, or, like, stags, which is generally members of those two groups as well. 
um and like the european code of arms and stuff you know it's uh you know at pervasive in the pop culture game of thrones you had the baratheons had i believe a stag or an elk or a deer yeah they really just have been throughout human culture throughout the world um there's cave paintings of deer and other cervids like that there's just like i think there's something about them that's always sort of uh been tied in with humanity a little bit all cervids um all cervids are under the family cervidae um it includes the deer elk reindeer and moose and weirdly enough we still haven't gotten a moose yet which is weird considering how big and iconic they are but no, I'm, I'm sure they'll get to it when we get when we get the canadian region we'll have we'll have yeah moose. we'll get the can- <laughs> Um, close cousins to the cows. Um, they are closer related to the bovines and they are ruminants just like them. There are some key differences, uh, when it comes to both their feet and how they operate as well as their headwear. They have antlers. They do not have horns. The biggest difference between the two antlers are made out of bone and they are shed off typically by the organism. Once a certain set of the season is done, there are exceptions give or take right there's there's some weird exceptions here or there all i'm honestly off the top of my head i cannot think of an exception i think there was like one or two of them that had like some different shedding behavior but for the mass majority of them they will shed those off they will fall to the ground it's gross but it's a necessary part in order not to weigh them down when they don't need them they're typically going to be used as mating display because usually only the males get them Uh, There are some cases where females will get them as well. That means that it's usually going to be more for defense. Uh, Meanwhile, the horns, it's going to be uh, made out of keratin, and it will have a bony sheath where it goes over it. So this is why you can pick up antlers falling off skulls. It's not a huge deal. Whereas horns, uh, if you cut that off, it ain't going back. It ain't going to come back. No way, no how. Yeah, um, deer uh, antlers, actually specifically elk and moose antlers, are actually the fastest growing bone in the uh, animal kingdom and can grow like up to an inch per day at their uh, peak oh wow. i didn't know that go that fast that's yeah awesome. that's why um a lot of cervids um particularly particularly elk um the lifespan of a male and a female are drastically different like a female elk can live to be over 20 years like a male elk that's five or six is getting up there um just because basically every year think about their leech a ton of calcium out of their bones to go into the antlers and then they proceed to fight <laughs> that's like the you know how like girl math became a thing that's guy math right there like minus all the calcium to plus up your antlers and then hurt each other lose lifespan yeah but for the fight though and now um one thing that's important about these animals is that a lot of people will bring up the question well why haven't we started domesticating them why don't we have them like in farms like cows if they're related and they do break one of the major rules of domestication in that they are ridiculously skittish, anxious creatures. They do not like to be, you know, going near anyone or anything in most cases. They are not going to do well in fences or cages. And so they don't do well as domesticated animals. It's why most pe- most of them are hunted instead of, like, farmed. Although there are exceptions where people will, like, fence in an area for the deer to live in. But I don't. That doesn't count. You're just yeah. There are in. there are commercial deer farms, but from what I understand, it's a little more hands off than um cattle farming would be. Yeah, no, the only exception I know is the reindeer, which we will get to in a bit. So deer are a common prey item, hence the skittishness. Um, they are prey items for large predators across the world. They're only not found in Antarctica and Australia. Um, in order to avoid being eaten by you know wolves and bears and the occasional lion. Uh, they have a very keen sense of smell and hearing, 
in order to keep themselves alive. Not only that, they have an amazing set of endurance that'll just keep them running for hours if they need to in order to get away. And if they're running through the forest, which many of the species are, they're very nimble at making their way through it. Uh, what they um, what they really lack in speed, though, like I said, is that endurance, that ability to just keep going. The only reason they lose to people is that humans have even more endurance. And if they tire themselves out out of fear and panic, the humans can just keep tracking them. It's why humans have been able to hunt them for thousands and thousands of years as we figured out that their endurance level isn't as high as ours. But in their case, their best defense is to get as much distance away from a predator as possible. Now, Don, question. Uh, if deer are cornered, are they going to continue to try running away or are they going to try and fight back on something larger? Depending on the situation, um, deer of both sexes can definitely be uh, dangerous and will defend themselves. I think it's, I mean, a lot of people are a year are killed by deer, most, the vast majority of which are auto accidents. But um, people definitely have been either gored by bucks, particularly during the rut, um, which is like their mating season, um, where their testosterone is very high. And uh, the, like some situations like that can happen. Um, does as well. And other deer will kind of rear up and basically box you with their front hooves, which um, is not good in my understanding. <laughs> it doesn't sound great considering the thing weighs several hundred pounds. I mean, that would be, yeah, several hundred pounds, at least for, for an American white deer. Yeah, American. Well, I'm not talking about a key deer. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, that, yeah, that would be a big white. That would be a big deer. But, um, yeah, no, deer can definitely be dangerous, and they definitely will fight back if cornered, or like I said, during the rut, when they're, um, I said they're, well, that's when the, the, the males, the bucks, are fighting. I, I actually do know this statistic, because we were looking it up for Shark Week at work, is about 175 people are killed by deer in America, making them the deadliest animal in America, even more so than mosquitoes. And yes, it's mostly cars. <laughs> With deer being such a huge part of human culture, it's really interesting to see how so many different places across the world have kind of put them in as part of their not only heraldry, but also a lot of their myths and legends. Like some people have claimed that um, I know in ancient China, deers were seen as messengers of the gods and others. They are seen as guardians of the forest. A lot of people, when they're doing face style makeup or like face style worship, they'll ornament themselves as deer um there was even a horror movie fairly recently that had like a the the monster was like some cryptid deer based horror like that guarded the woods. are you talking about um the ritual with the like jowton or whatever that is yeah that one yeah i think that's a um like a nordic spirit that i want to say they typically have antlers i know it did in the in the movie if i remember right yeah no there's just something about that we connect the deer and the forest and we connect them as guard i mean Think of Princess Moronoke, like that movie, like had the deer spirit running everything too. There's such an interesting tie to them as connections of not even just like part of the forest as, as the forest themselves, given how much they live in it. And it's amazing how our cultures have tied and worked with them, like even to this day. Like, yes, if you go back, you'll see all the different heraldries of the deers on the shields and all the different like deers on the cave painting walls. But like even to this day... I looked up how much money is generated through like the hunting of deer and like all the stuff that goes with it. It's over $11 billion of revenue. That is an obscene amount of money, but like it's all made in part and much of that money goes back to helping keep that area safe. And in some cases, hunting deer has become necessary, right? Yeah. So deer are kind of a, a really great success story, honestly, to get a little, 
bit of a sidetrack. Um, in the early 1900s and in the 1800s, uh, market hunting, at least in the United States, was a big deal where people would go out and hunt, you know, deer and ducks or any other wild game and go sell them, uh, sell them to restaurants. And uh, this resulted in just sort of like the populations being decimated to the point where deer um, in like uh, the early 1900s, they were believed to be like probably less than 215,000 deer. Uh, across the United States in the early 1900s. And that was right after the passing of the uh, Lacey Act in 1900, which prohibited the uh, interstate transport of like wild game and sort of really brought the end to market hunting. Um, so deer went from being, you know, sub 250,000, and now there's estimated to be um, about 35 million deer in the United States. It's sort of a multifold result because on one hand, we have like the more robust conservation measures in place. At the same time, um, across most must across much of the u.s the um sort of the deer's native predators have unfortunately been eradicated like wolves um you know some places are trying to reestablish that um and then the introduction of a lot of really large-scale agriculture deer sort of love um big agriculture especially corn and things like that very high calorie densely packed so um things like several factors we've just really seen a huge explosion in deer numbers and it's important to realize that it's not all deer as well. Like take the key deer down in Florida. Um, it has to deal with loss of habitat, roadkill, and in the past it was overhunted. And its population is still, you know, trying to get back up there given how small they are. For those who don't know what a key deer is, think of your classic red ta white-tailed deer or whatever. And just think of it as tiny. It's itty-bitty. It's very yeah, cute. Yeah, they're, they're a subspecies of the uh, just the American white-tailed deer, um, which is like the really super big example of uh, Bergman's rule, which I know I talk about a lot, but it's like deer are really the extreme example. Um, key deer, it's like a 50-pound deer. It's like a, a medium-sized dog. And then the farther north you go, um, they're all white-tailed deer, even when they're subspecies. Um, they just steadily get larger up until you get into like the northern United States and Canada where you're looking at deer like well that can easily break 200 pounds like they might as well be different animals at that point but they're all still white-tailed deer really so they're all still part of the same uh subspecies like they're all start part of the same species just okay interesting yeah they, um they could I didn't all theoretically that. interbreed and stuff yeah and then as well as like things like the coos deer in like the american southwest in mexico um, they're all sort of just like slight variants on the white-tailed deer no 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 we got now yeah, no that's a good segue to talking about getting to the pokemon part of this because as we said there's a surprisingly large number of deer. And I guess we got to start with the first deer, and that has to go to Stantler. Now, when you go through Stantler's Pokedex entry, it talks about how, let's see here, um, its antlers subtly change the flow of air to create a strange space where reality is distorted. I, I, can they? I don't know. Can deer distort reality with their antlers? Um, no, 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 cannot distort. I mean, they can't distort reality in the traditional sense. Um, maybe it has a little bit to do with... Um, you know, the sort of, uh, so I think they found, I'm trying to remember where it was. I was reading the other day about an area, but I think deer antlers, like we've said before, sort of have always had a sort of like mystique or power to people. Um, I think they found, I'm trying to remember where, um, when it was, it was, it was very old, they're like sort of caveman times. They found evidence that, um, in one cave where they thought it was initially just like a bone site. And then they realized that all of the, the skeletons there, particularly like the heads, were the skulls of larger examples than average of that animal species. So it was clear that ever since the beginning of time, people have seen, you know, big antlers and ascribed some level of significance to that. I mean, it's even in the Legends of Arceus, um, like Pokedex entry, how people were grind up the black orbs from the fallen antlers as effective treatment for insomnia. Like people have used deer antlers medicine 
throughout which is really funny because Stantler does learn hypnosis of course it does <laughs> yeah no that was one of its um i remember from the anime that was like one of its things was like people well, there was an episode where people were seeing a herd of Stantlers when it was just one Stantler hypnotizing everybody into thinking that it was a herd of them because it missed its family i remember that specifically but yeah and it does it does mention the um how its antlers are valuable and that's the thing we see um now uh people will actually go out and collect the shed antlers of deer and elk to um then resell for like either um you know art decorations or uh dog treats actually is a big market for that as well it, it would that be bad for like the soil like the cal the enriching of the calcium um, so the calcium really the really things that love the calcium are um like things like mice and squirrels love to come and chew on them particularly but there is some concerns with that in that uh it's resulted in a lot more people going out in the winter when the deer have shed their antlers oh and um that like the amount of extra people in the woods when they're trying to conserve calories maybe potentially putting a little unnecessary stress on them so that is a that is a slight concern especially in like northern states where um they really need those energy reserves that's so weird how like one little balance like that like one little change of the market could like drive them off and add more stress yeah that and there's always been a market for um there's also a big market for the velvet which is what the uh the blood vessel rich sort of outer layer is on deer antlers while they're growing them um that's believed to have a lot of medicinal properties uh when like powdered and ground there's uh like deer farms where they basically harvest the antlers from the deer when they're still in velvet so that they can um harvest the velvet from them I think it's supposed to be very dense, and I mean, it does it? I think it's supposed to be very uh, rich in a lot of nutrients. Given the speed that antlers grow, I wouldn't be surprised if it was pretty dense. So, which deer do you think Stantler is based on? Right. Yeah. So, Stantler, being from Jodo, which was the um, I think it's the Kansai region of Japan, which is what Jodo is based on, um, and that contains, I believe, the famous Nara Park with the Nara Park deer, the bowing deer. Oh yes. So the bowing deer are um a sick most of them are sick deer or sick deer depending on how you want to pronounce there's a different one also but if you look at a sick deer s-i-k-a um the antler morphology is not too dissimilar from stantlers more facing head-on though than sideways oh i i know these deer very well um one of the um things that a lot of people did during um uh, their time abroad is they always try and stop over at the nara park and over to feed the batting deer i didn't want to do it just because I don't I don't really want to I don't really want to be part of feeding like wild animals. Like I guess they're pretty terribly wild point. animals from what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But also, have you seen the vi you've seen the videos of like the deer bowing and like being respectful? Yeah, those are super edited. Like those deer will jump you for those crackers. I they believe are not that. they will absolutely wreck you for those crackers you're not getting one deer bowing you're getting a bunch of deers bowing to headbutt you you're getting bombarded like four or five at a time if you're going to plan on doing the nara deer park be prepared for those deer to be jerks oh no i appreciate that so yeah the um so a, a couple other little things about the sika deer and it's not the um sika deer i think one i think they're a pretty visually uh interesting deer they have sort of a, a more um elk like antler it's it's a little wider, but it also doesn't have the sort of like width or the beams, I guess you could say, of like a more American deer. But um, so uh, they're also they're one of the group of deer um where they're called uh, a male is a stag and a female is a hind, as opposed to a buck and a doe. There's service, which is within Servidae. Um, I believe members of the genus Service are stags and hinds, where whereas other members are deer. And then uh, and then there's the case of elk and moose where you have to do with uh, its bulls and cows. Gotcha. Okay, just people naming things to be weird. Got it. 
So yeah, service service is the genus of deer that are primarily native to Eurasia, and most Eurasian deer are referred to as stags and hinds to the point where in the uh, I believe is the Twelve Labors of Hercules, he had to go out and catch a uh, like a, a silver hind or something like that. But yeah, if you look at their antlers, they have similar antlers uh, in style to the other some of the other European deer, like the red deer. And um, the sick deer, there's a lot of subspecies of them, actually, throughout um, various parts of uh, East Asia, up into parts of Russia, um, can interbreed, so, similar to sort of how white-tailed deer are. And throughout much of their range, they've been extirpated or are in very low numbers from uh, just hunting, primarily. A little bit of habitat loss, but primarily hunting, except in Japan, where they're kind of just overabundant. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Japan. Yeah, no, it, it very much reminds me of, like, the Burmese python situation where, like, the Burmese pythons in, like, China and, like, India are like, man, like, we keep getting hunted for our skin. We're lowering a number. This sucks. wonder what happened to the ones who got dragged to Florida. Meanwhile, in Florida, nothing could stop us. We are like gods. Yeah, and uh, also, sea deer have been... Uh, introduced across a lot of the United States as sort of as a game animal. Um, a lot of Europe, from like Estonia, Latvia, Austria, Bel- I might be able to list all the countries, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Switzerland, Russia, Romania, everything like that, all down through Australia and New Zealand. They're in the Philippines. They're in Canada. They're in parts of the United States like Delaware and Kansas. And uh, I know Maryland has them. I've actually seen them in Maryland before. Yeah, they, they like the marshy habitat, of like the Chesapeake marsh areas and stuff is apparently where they like to live on um, there. They're a smaller deer. I was literally like an, less than an hour away in my old apartment, like in Japan, I was less than an hour away from these deer. I did not realize I was that close. Holy crap. Oh, really? You were that close. Yeah, I was that close. I could have just gone and checked them out and got headbutt. All right. I didn't mean to go on your tangent. Oh, no, no. no saying, um, but yeah, they've been um, kept uh, often as ornamental animals too, because they're a very striking deer and they're on the smaller side. Um, but they've also been introduced as game kind of throughout the world. I mean, I think that's a pretty good start. I mean, just specifically, since they were doing it in Osaka region, so of course they're going to go and use the one most famous deer in Osaka. And I mean, we're going to get to weird deer eventually, but I still love how this is the Pokemon that everyone is like, all right, that's the reindeer Pokemon from now on, at least until we get another one. Like that, like if you see any of the Pokemon stuff, like some of a Santa-esque like anything it's usually going to have a stantler riding in the front of it yeah but- and i will say too they've actually been um they're quite the uh, invasive problem in places where they've been established um in europe they were found to be um uh like the like one of the most damaging mammals to the environment alongside they put them on tiers with the brown rat and muskrat for invasive mammals which is like pretty bad invasive mammals to have all right so i, I feel like this one you didn't have any problems with like this one's a good deer good starting point but the next deer we got was Gen 5, and that's Sawsbuck. And Sawsbuck, I mean, it's the America region, so of course they're going to add a deer to it, right? Yeah, I, I would think so, at least. Um, yeah, so we have Sawsbuck. Um, I will say, one, from a design standpoint, I like Sawsbuck. I like his season theme. I get that it's like summer, autumn, winter, spring buck. Like, that's a fun name. I assume that's what, like, the origin of his name type of thing is. Um, but in, like, so in the United States, like, we have several species of deer as well as elk and moose. Um, but like I guess like, typically the most American deer is probably like most people say is like the white-tailed deer. It's sort of like when you see deer in a movie, ideally it's in America, it's the white-tailed deer, um, unless you're 
the deer hunter or the last of the mohicans or a lot of other movies where they substitute the eurasian red deer for them and that annoys me a lot is there a reason is it just like how they replace a bald eagle cry with a red a hawk it cry had, it could ha- i i do think maybe it's a thing where they decide that the american version's not as not striking enough um so maybe there's a little bit of that maybe there could I, there could also be for benefit of the doubt, I'll say maybe there's some issues with the Lacey Act and transporting a live deer like over state lines or something. If the, you need a, you know, an actor deer or something, so maybe there's a bit of that. But the idea that the white-tailed deer isn't striking enough is very strange to me, given the sheer magnitude of white-tailed deer-based merchandise available in this country. Like especially for people who go hunting them recreationally, like this, there are plenty of people who disagree. Yeah, I, I think it. I, I maybe I phrased that poorly. I think it might have to do too with, you know, you want maybe you want your movie to be bigger and more exotic, and you've lived in America, you've seen the white-tailed deer. It's like what you're accustomed to. Versus like I, I've I've met people from countries where they don't have raccoons, and they come here and they see a raccoon and they lose their mind because they're like, oh my god, it's it's like an animal you've never seen. So I could maybe see that sort of that with deer, where then they see a Eurasian deer, like a red stag, and they're like, oh, that's you know that's such an impressive animal. And then at the same, they go outside and there's a deer eating their bushes and they're annoyed about it. So like maybe there's a little bit of that. <laughs> that made me laugh a bit because um yeah I the zoo I went to in Osaka had the raccoon in the um, exotic animal like habitat and I couldn't I mean, if you think about a raccoon and you live somewhere that didn't have raccoons it's kind of a crazy animal it's such a weird little dude it's got little hands it's like a weird little dude it's like a monkey but not (laughs) it's a monkey rat it's It's like a monkey dog rat combo but um from everything I'm reading in like the Pokedex entry all it really talks about is how this Pokemon is like a symbol for the seasons it doesn't really mention much else about it Aside from the fact that, okay, here in the spring's form, it said, it seems that a sawbuck with many flowers on its antlers will grow at a slightly slower pace because the flowers absorb the Pokemon's nutrients. I like that a lot, actually. Because that goes back to the calcium. That's the calcium thing we just talked about. Like, I mean, like the I, also the summer form has the thicker and larger branches, the more majestic it is. That would be so interesting if, like, again, this is Pokemon. It's not going to do it, but that'd be cool. If, like, oh, this one has bigger antlers. It's going to level up a whole lot slower. Yeah, one thing I do wonder about with Sawsbuck particularly, um, it makes sense with Stanler because that's such a core part of design, but I believe they started adding in, like, um, like sex differences in the Pokemon, like, between the males and females. Was that Gen 4 or Gen 5? I think that was Gen 4. I think. Let me go check. So, like, I'm if that's go, the go. case, I'm surprised that they, um, maybe they decided it was too boring of a design if uh, female Sawsbuck didn't have antlers. But of all of all the different deer Pokemon, I felt like this would be the one that would make the most sense for there to be a, like a doe version. I feel like you could make a doe version for all the seasons. Just like add different like for the you know how like the uh, the sneak of deer. They could have like instead of the instead of the uh, it being on their antlers, they could have like a scarf type of deal or something maybe. I mean exactly. You could have like different colorations and different forms. Like imagine like the winter form having that white scarf look to them but with no antlers it it can work it's just and it's also really not a huge design problem given that it's pokemon anytime they say they can't come up with a design for something i just call bullcrap because i've seen what they can do when they really want to we've seen porygon z we know what you are up to slight and i like sawsbuck a lot i kind of wish it was better from a competitive standpoint but um the antler shape is once again a little more towards that of a stag, like a Eurasian stag, than an American deer. 
I mean, if you look at like its its antlers seem closer to like a sick deer's antlers than, but if you look at a white-tailed deer's antlers, they they go more out to the sides typically. Um, like their shapes a little different. Same with like a mule deer, the other American deer. But um, yeah, there's actually there's debated how many subspecies of white-tailed deer there are. Um, I mean, I can imagine, but I I see what you're saying. I think they went too heavy into the branch look of it. Instead of like the antler look of it, I do. I do like the. Uh, I said I like Sawsbuck's design. I like the seasonal forms. Um, I almost wish they could have tweaked it and get its. It, I think think it would have been cool if it's secondary typing. If it always stayed grass, but its secondary typing changed with the seasonal form. I think that would have been a really cool Sawsbuck option. And then still let it have chlorophyll. That would have been crazy. Oh no! If that thing had chlorophyll, like had oh, hang chlorophyll. on, let me. It do... has chlorophyll. Yeah, if we up that attack a little bit higher. Maybe give it a different ability. Give it uh, what abilities? Got chlorophyll. Give it chlor- got sap chlorophyll. Good. <laughs> it has good abilities. The abilities are not the problem with it. That's the worst part. It has no moves. I'm, I'm looking at them. Oh my god, that is sad. Doesn't even get solar blade. I mean, it gets horned leech, which is nice. Yeah, it doesn't have like return or anything now too. It doesn't really have the best normal. It gets well, it gets high horsepower now. That's something. And it gets um, it gets play rough. Okay, he's got a few moves now. He doesn't get Solar Blade. He should get Solar Blade. I mean, like the one, the Solar Sword move, that's Solar Beam, but like physical. Like his attacks, he gets Solar Beam. 60 versus 100. Come on, Pokemon, step your game up. Come on, that's not hard. But no, um, I, I like Sawsbuck, though. I think he's a cool... Oh, other thing, minor deer thing for people, particularly Americans um, that are listening. If you see a fawn, a baby deer, out like tucked up in a bush or something, it's not abandoned. It's almost definitely not abandoned. When fawns are very young, their mothers will leave them tucked away in high brush or something and then go off to do deer errands and then they'll come back. We see the same, uh, the same thing happens in antelopes and weirdly enough, manatees. Like they'll just leave them and they'll take care of themselves for a little bit. And if they get eaten by a puma, well, that was nature and that's how it goes. But yeah, I don't know. With, with deer, people do weird stuff with them, like feed them donuts and strawberries and I just get really upset. It's like, stop it, please. It's not a pet. It's it's really not. I promise. There there are a lot of them, but they're not pets. Leave them alone. Yeah, and there is also a concern with uh with deer, at least in um particular United States. I know it showed up in Canada as well. I'm not sure about um Asia and Europe, but um chronic wasting disease is an issue right now with uh North American cervids. It's it's a prion disease like mad cow disease. Um, so that's definitely something. If you do see deer that seem like they're acting weird or um like particularly emaciated, definitely um call your local uh, fish and game agency or wildlife agency. It's a sort of just a PSA moment, but um, definitely something that needs to be monitored. It's a weird thing to tell everyone, like, hey, everyone, find your Department of Natural Resources and save their number. Because every state, you, you have something to deal with. For us in South Carolina... Tell them you saw a weird deer. <laughs> Sir, I saw a weird deer. And they just they sigh, and just another sighting for the day. I mean, in South Carolina, it's weird deer, um, the random bear... Or an abundance of sea turtles getting hurt on the beach by boats. That's the three things that you can call about in South Carolina. Now, there is um there is one deer that, I mean, when it was introduced, like, all we had to do to make it powerful was give it one little power herb, and it just started killing everything. I mean, it's still up until... uh. I guess they. I guess you'd say they introduced its natural predator last generation into the back into the ecosystem. We're talking about Xerneas. You're talking about Xerneas. What? What? Everyone's which favorite. Zasha. Oh God! Yes, I remember. There's a reason why Xerneas went from the king of uh, the restricted formats, literally non-existent, in the Dynamax formats. Also, because people could Dynamax up and beef through. 
I think Xerneas in a Terra format is going to be different. Who, who wins in a fight? The uh, the literal embodiment of life and power or one dog with a metal stick? Well, the dog with the metal stick just got nerfed this gen too. I mean, yeah, his ability only works one time per game. But, I mean, he can still play him. He's not yeah, he's dead. Still, he's, still, he's still good. But I think Xerneas is going to come back with a vengeance. Um, I think it benefits from Terra, maybe more so than uh, things benefit from being able to Terra against it. Because, I mean, you can only Terra one thing. Um, to resist Xerneas. And I think it's got some new tools. I think I think Xerneas with things like Indeedee and stuff can be... It's got lots of offense. Like, it's got plenty of moves it can turn... It could turn into a Psychic type to avoid a lot of the damage. It can do a lot. Yeah, Psychic, uh, Ground. Ground could be good, very good for it. Things. It, I think it wants to turn into things that either resist Steel or um and beat things that... So I, I think Terrifier Xerneas actually would be real. You resist steel, and um, you can then hit opposing steel types. So, like, that could be good. Ground could be good. Maybe something like water also. Because then you resist Kyogre. Just double down. Go Fairy Terra. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure Terra's, Terra Fairy plus two Geomancy Moonblast does a billion damage. Xerneas will get into the, the animal side again. I won't complain too much about this because I already uh, see in the notes I wrote I'm going to complain. But I already complained about how they substitute Whitetail for them. But uh, Xerneas from the Kalos region... You know, everyone's favorite fairy type. Probably not. But um, it is if you like Pokemon that win. So, you know, you can like Xerneas. <laughs> Jesus, Don, be nice. Fluttermane's right there now. Okay, yeah, I'll, actually, you know what? Every fairy Pokemon is busted. I take that back. You just like fairy types. They're all good. Fairy types, like, my beef with fairy types has always been the fact that they introduce the cool version of a panda in the same generation where they get destroyed alive by the new type. Yeah, no, you're right. Fairy types, um, yeah, all fairy types are good. Um, Zacian, fantastic. Mega Mawile, fantastic. Xerneas, fantastic. Sylveon, sometimes fantastic. All the Tapus. Yeah, they're great. Fairy types are very good. Magirna, I could keep listing them. Anyway, though, I, I'm a Xerneas fan. It's sort of like, as of right now, it's the biggest deer-based Pokemon in terms of, I think, also in-game size, but also what it's based on. Uh, Xerneas, its antler morphology, um, it seems to be very much that of, like, a uh, Eurasian red stag or an elk. Yeah, I, I'll give it to the last of the Mohican people. That is a very majestic sight. I, I will give them that. You could have used an American elk, though. Yeah, I'm saying they... Yes, you're not wrong, but I understand where they are coming from. You're, they, they were wrong. All these pictures are either of them majestically either standing, bellowing like monsters, or having been hunted. So there's a, there's a mixed vibe here on the Google, on the Google images. The, the red stack, it's, it's a, again, it's a true... It's in the service family within Servidae, like the uh, Sikadir. So again, it's, it's it's a situation of uh, stags and hinds versus bucks and does. Um, the red deer is native to uh, kind of throughout Eurasia, most of Europe, into like uh, the Caucasus Mountains, including like Anatolia and like Iran, and then like parts of Western Asia. Um, they're really big. They can they can reach like 440. Um, so they're like up. They're well past like an American deer outside of like an elk or a moose. They'll like they'll rip us up. They can definitely do some damage to each other during they those absolutely displays. could um they're actually so they're the fourth largest extant deer species so it goes mook elk and sambar deer um and then it is the red stag red deer slash red stag uh, sorry i was going through like the pokedex stuff and it's like there's really not much to go on when it comes to this creature and like you know how like they basically just made it the legendary like symbol of life 
And I think that does have a little bit to tie with like the Fey culture and like the ideas, like them being guardians of the forest. But I, I don't know. I wish, I mean, I'm glad they kind of made this thing the biggest, scariest deer they could think of. Like as far like comparatively to the real deal. Yeah, I mean it's one of one of the largest deer. And like the region makes sense because there are red deer in France, whereas there are not moose moose and elk are um either sort moose are kind of circumpolar. Elk are uh new in, like North America. And then the sandbar deer is, I believe, down in India and also on one island in Florida. There's a very interesting island in Florida called Saint Vincent Island where um I think back, if I remember my Florida history right, back in the day, uh, they were all sorts of crazy animals on there that this guy put like zebras. And then um, stuff died out or got hunted out. And then the sandbar stayed. And eventually the state took possession of it. And now it's just an island. And there's also red wolves on the island, too. Really? Oh, that's nice. Those things were almost wiped out. That's yes, good. I think, they're, I think they're, it, it's a male and a female. I think they're trying to re um, get them going. No, I think the Xerneas was a good addition to the game, just from, one, a legendary status, two, a symbol of one of the scariest deers I've ever seen, and three, just a absolute powerhouse once they let that thing onto the field. That thing was a monster. And if I remember correctly, too, um, in uh, the Norse mythology um, at Yggdrasil, or wherever you say it, the world tree, there's a stag that hangs out around the base of it. And we see with uh, Xerneas, Yelvatol, and Zygarde are all drawing from Norse mythology. And so, and there's the stag is, um, I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize. No, it's all good. Eikbjörnir was is the stag that hangs out around the tree. So we see a little, like, up the mythological angle from Xerneas. I like that it's the protector, which is the thing we see a lot from deer. I think the, the rate and growth of the antlers is a big part of how... Um, probably like the renewal aspect of deer that we sort of see throughout mythologies. I guess there would be some, if you didn't know what the antlers were or why they were doing it, the idea of something going through that beauty of life and decay, like death and decay and over and over again would definitely have impact on a human being who didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And if you just saw them, if you saw, you know, up into man, like maybe you don't see them when they lose their antlers. Maybe you just see them one day they have them and one day they don't. And then you're just like, okay, they can just do that. Yeah, what, why can't I grow bones out of my head? What, why can't I fight with those? It's crazy. But I, I'm, I'm glad this thing is going to come back. Because once you, I, I like seeing some of these horrifyingly dangerous monstrosities go up against some of the new guys. And who knows? Maybe like it will still do really, really well. Or maybe it will be like Reggie Leckie where it's like, yeah, you're cool. Like, there's some things that are more dangerous now. I'm still scared of that freaking smear gold, dude. That thing scares the crap out of me. I don't want the dog. Please, not the dog. Dog-based trauma side. We got one more I think we have time to talk about. And that is our... Yeah, no, we got... I mean, it's the holidays. We gotta end up on it. We got weird deer. We got we got the... the, the would it be caribou or would it be... um Would it be caribou or reindeer? So, reindeer are basically domesticated caribou. And the fact that we can ride around on weird deer... I would argue that he's more of a reindeer than a caribou. So caribou are a type of elk? Or what, what are they their own thing? So caribou are they're the only so they are um they are in Cervidae, but they're in their own genus. Ah, okay. I see I'm looking up their phylogenetic tree and I'm being like, okay, I see where the split's at. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a circumpolar species of deer. Um North America, northern Europe, Siberia, all that good cold stuff. Um there's migratory and sedentary species of them. Females uh, may have antlers, depending on the subspecies. 
And they're one of the few deer where the females do have antlers. Okay, and that's I'm going to assume for protection from bears. Um, I would I think wolves wolves are their larger predator if I remember correctly. I mean, I don't know. I guess a polar bear might try. I'm I'm sure they would. Um, I think they're more in like the tundra. I mean, there's several. I know there's several subspecies of caribou even within North America. There's like a mountain caribou and a bare ground caribou and a tundra caribou or something like that. Um, so there's definitely several subspecies of them. And like I said, some will not have the antlers, but I think generally they're probably, I would imagine wolves and brown bears are probably a bigger predator of them than polar bears are. Just given their, I think they, they, they tend more towards tundras and boreal forests. And also they go down into the Canadian Rockies. Oh yeah, um, especially like a, a large male caribou, it's like sort of a mane, which sort of makes sense that when you both have antlers, you need another way to show off. So they'll have like sort of a very like a, fabio-esque thing going on no no again it's a, it's a beautiful animal like it's absolutely like and you'll you'll always pull on like national geographic and you'll see like them like charging across the tundra and all the cameramans are losing their minds like just following these things again beautiful animal i'm glad they gave stantler an evolution because you know i mean no one was going to use it otherwise and i mean even now like and now it's well now it too has um uh, now Stantler can use Eviolite, which might actually let it do a thing. I mean, it does get, like, Intimidate, doesn't it? So it's like, yeah, no, that's not too bad. It gets Intimidate and Trick Room. Yeah, so perfect. That's a nice little nice little niche for itself. I mean, so is there anything else? Like, when I'm reading the Pokedex entry, like, it only gets the one at the moment. So it talks about how the fur sheds from its beard retains heat well, and it's highly useful material for winter clothing. I would assume that the mane on a real elk isn't used to, like, help burst get resistance to cold since it's only the males right yeah no but i would imagine their fur and definitely is overall is very um is very you know insulating given where they live i mean you'll see them covered in snow and just keep on walking so yeah i like and again the the camouflage of like that white body to like blend into the snow to avoid predators i do really like as well yeah they definitely have like and they sort of have a little bit more of a regional um they migrate in very large groups and they migrate very often i mean it's interesting as well how they kind of went extinct for a while in pokemon like the fact that again that was the whole thing about like the legend series with that oh all these ancient pokemon oh they're all dead oh so that one one interesting thing they found with um so male reindeer shed their antlers in early to midwinter and then be, after that happens the antlered cows of the herd take the highest ranks of the feeding hierarchy. The, who gets the higher rank? Once because the, the males shed their antlers in early midwinter because theirs grow back because they um like more consistently because you know they're they're fighting for uh they, the males fight for dominance and for like you know mating status and things like that. Um the cows though now the cows that have the antlers after the males lose theirs they become the highest tier in the feeding hierarchy I would imagine because they can headbutt the other ones. And then to the point where they found that because some of the females will not have antlers and they found that uh calves whose mothers do not have antlers are typically have a higher mortality rate and are smaller oh okay. so they're gotcha. really benefiting from having the uh the antlered females oh, good for them gotta get gotta get a tough mom to help you get in front of the line for the best grass this pokemon kind of took all the psychic powers of a stantler and just turned them up to 11. So I'm going to assume that these ones, once again, do not have magic powers, but people assume that they do. So reindeer um, actually have a little bit of a um, history with hallucinogenics. I believe it was, a, so I know there's a, uh, an indigenous people in Siberia. I think it's in other places as well, um, where like long, long ago, they think it was first observed. Um, the Adamatia muscaria 
also known as the fly agaric. It's a hallucinogenic mushroom. It's it's the Mario mushroom. Ah, the red one with the spot. And they think one of the because like traditionally the um, members of these groups would reindeer would eat these mushrooms, and you you, you would see that the that they were probably I would ima- I'm not sure what a reindeer looks like when it's on mushrooms, but I would imagine it's different than how it normally looks. Um, and there's uh, some some level they realized that they could then drink the urine of that reindeer. Um, and that would sort of, I guess, has like filtered out or distilled the uh, like psychedelic effects, the psilocybin in those mushrooms. Um, and that would allow them to, uh, you know, hallucinate. And um, it was it was like a funda- uh, fundamental aspect of uh, some religions. I need to find a time machine so I can go back in time right before the first person decided to drink deer pee. And like, wait, hold up there, buddy. I'm not gonna stop you, but I gotta know why. Yeah, I mean, at a time when that was, that would have had to have been a, uh, yeah. So I mean, I, they would fill. I think they would filter it. I don't think it was just straight from the source. Oh, okay. Though that makes it. I mean, this is on the same list as. Yeah, I believe it was the Sami. Um, was the group. I could be wrong. There, I think there may have been multiple other ones too. This is on the same tier as the people who decided to keep drinking cow milk. Only another step higher. Oh, oh apparently, like uh, reindeer cannot walk and pee at the same time. So, like, they have to stop, which I guess would be very convenient if you're trying to, like, harvest. have your mushroom reindeer. <laughs> All right, boys, wait for us to start on my mark. So, I don't know if that's uh, what's going on with weird ear. Like, you go to the village, like, so why do you guys have a flute for the weird ear? Do you guys, like, call them over to ride them or, and they just look at each other? Yes. Sure. That's it. Yes, yes, 100%. Take this one and leave and don't come back. They don't want you to find out about this. Hey, why are all these big mushrooms scattered around the area? Don't they have a use? Oh, well, they have a use, all right. It's also um, impressive um, how much lichen constitutes uh, d- the diet of caribou and reindeer in certain parts of the year, in the winter specifically. I mean, that makes sense, given how lacking in nutrients the tundra can be. But yeah, you're just scraping lichen off rocks, though. Uh, it's either that or die. It's either psychedelic mushrooms or lichen. You have no other option. You can either trip or you could eat lichen. Your call. Yeah. Also, um, some caribou herds will migrate up to three thousand miles a year. Okay, that's really. Yeah, they can travel twelve to thirty-four miles a day, and they can run thirty-seven to fifty miles an hour. Yeah. No, these things are built different, and I'm glad they have a Pokemon of it. Now we do have Colbane on Col. Cobalion? How do you say it? Cobalion, Cobalion, Cobalion. Yeah. Thank you. But considering that the DLC is coming out and we're going to get... Oh, sorry. What is its stupid name now that it gets in the Paradox form? Iron Crown. Iron Crown? Oh, for a split second, I thought it was Iron Justice. And I thought that would just be a really dumb superhero name that I would love to hear. I like that name. I hope they... <laughs> I want the name Iron Justice to be a thing really badly. Iron Crown is fine, but, like, can you just imagine, go, Iron Justice, defeat him. Like, just, (laughs) I like that name a lot. I hate the Iron naming thing so much, but it's so good. I get that they're supposed to be, like, code names, but at the same time, I, it annoys me. It's so boring. It's, at least the other prehistoric ones have some class. Honestly, I agree with a hot take I heard the other day, um, and that's basically that, the Paradox Pokemon are boring because they're just balls of stats with no ability. From a design standpoint, I disagree. From like I agree an actual, with that. like from a yeah, competitive. I would say game. from a competitive standpoint. From a game standpoint, they kind of are. Well, the good ones are. 
Iron Hands and Fluttermane are just stats. Brute Bonnet is a great example of that because with Brute Bonnet, it's like, oh no, we're going to literally max this out to make sure that speed can never get too high. Like it was literally like mathematically they it, calculated. They made it faster than Amoongus though. Oh, you mean so that it can't get a speed boost? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like they basically like, this was literally tinkered with in a lab to make sure that the competitive players wouldn't run wild with it. I, I totally get where they're coming from. But we'll have more time to talk about that in the next episode. I'm sorry Chris couldn't be here, but I'm so glad you could help teach me more about deer. I needed the knowledge. I, no, I, I, I really I really like deer, like beyond just like, I, I just think they're a really interesting animal. They're fun to watch. They're, um, so the fact that I think just a lot of, uh, it seems to be like sort of a universal appreciation throughout the world. I can't think of any, any area that's really like anti-deer, if that makes sense. Other than you know, if they're eating your your yard or something, or if like you hit them with your car and like your insurance isn't covering it, then you might feel animosity towards the deer. Although mainly, I just get mad at insurance. Yeah, and like I said, that's it's sort of a double-edged sword. Like one, it's great that they rebounded so well, but one of the reasons why they rebounded so well is because a lot of their natural predators have been uh, hit pretty hard, particularly in like things like mountain lions and certain areas and wolves. So that's kind of one of the reasons why they came back so hard. Yeah, and sometimes they came back so hard that like even Yellowstone was having issues like growing a lot of the different stuff out there because the deer kept eating it all. And so you need to kind of balance it out. It's not – nature is never going to be easy. But I'm I don't, I'm glad that they're still around, and I'm glad people throughout all of human history have learned to appreciate just how beautiful and weird they are from their majestic, beautiful antlers to their psychedelic urine. So thank you so much for listening guys have a fantastic rest of your day or night we'll catch you guys before the holidays goodbye everyone have a great day